They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. With Archie Diakono, three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. So, Johnny Mita, what's going on? Yeah, oh, pandemonium, man. That call by Jim Nance was so classic. It's a, a Grant Hill did his best impression of Mike Quick, the owner. Jenkins wide open. You know, shut up, Grant. Shut up. <laughs> Let it roll, baby. My God. Touchdown, bro. Touchdown. You know what he does. Congratulations, my friend, to Nova Ooh. Nation. The Villanova oh. Wildcats, you called it on our last podcast. I didn't have time to pull it. You were kind of yeah. on the fence, but you said you thought this team was something special. Just the way they play throughout the course of the tournament. Pretty much after they get you know, they get by the first you know, first couple of weekends. And then to take out Kansas in a game where they didn't shoot very well. To move on, play Oklahoma. And just obliterate Oklahoma. I mean, that performance there Saturday night when they won by 44 points was the best defensive effort I've seen the team play in you know, my 25 years, 27 years of college basketball fandom. What they did to shut Buddy Heal down, the All-American, the average is 25 points a game. If you were to tell me that they're going to hold this kid to nine points, I would have laughed in your face. I mean, there's just no way. I thought if he gets 20 points, they play their game, they find a way to shut everybody else down, and they win. And whew, the Carolina game, you go into that game, of course, nobody across the country gives them a shot. A couple commentators here and there, a couple coaches um, gave Nova a slight shot, but everybody was so worried about North Carolina's length, and Granted, you know, they out-rebounded the Cats in this game, but points in the paint. Actually, Villanova had more points in the paint, which was completely shocking. Carolina early blazing the net, 7-9 behind the arc. But I guess the unsung hero of that game was Bill Booth. The sophomore just came up with a gem of a performance. Kind of took minutes away from the young Frosh, who was starting all year, Jalen Brunson. Ray Phil Booth, 6-7, 20 points, crucial foul shots down the stretch. Hats off to him, but this was a collective team effort. Yep. This team came together. They were just – and they were the – they're the embodiment of what a team is. And my, my hats off to Jay Wright as well. Um, he's been able to get his teams to the tournament, obviously, in 2009. Uh, we had the great, you know, great march uh, to Detroit for his first Final Four appearance. But the coaching that this guy did in the tournament 
over the last three games. I mean, think about this, Joe. This is the road that Nova had to hoe yeah. on this stretch. You're talking Kansas, Bill Self, fantastic coach, right? Lon Kruger, Oklahoma coach, yeah, uh, has taken like three to four teams to the Final Four. He's, no, he's not a shabby coach. And then you go up against one of the maestros of college basketball coaching and one of his sport programs, North Carolina, has been over the years. And you out-coach him, Roy Williams, hats off to Jay, man. He, he puts himself in the elite coaches now. And and, and just what a, what a great – just you had to feel so good for the two seniors on this team, Ryan Archidiakono, Daniel Achefo. Share a quick story with you. It's kind of been over the headline news. Jake talked about it yesterday at the celebration in the football stadium. But basically, Nova goes in full booth, hits that unbelievable, you know, turnaround fadeaway jumper at the end of half. They go into the room, and usually the coaches get to go in and talk first, and then they let the team get together and talk. Daniel and Sheffield and Ryan didn't let the coaches into the room. And apparently the two captains went after everybody on the team. They beat each other up, but then they picked each other up. And they said that we got this. And then the coaches came in and talked to them. That's just tremendous leadership out of two seniors, which will just live in Villanova history for what they accomplished here on this run. This run was, as far as one of the toughest runs, you know, I've watched a lot of college basketball, a lot of tournaments. When you take out two number one seeds and a number two to get it done, you know, that, that's doing some work. I mean, that is, especially these teams, these three teams were in the top five all year around. Kansas, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Miami finished third in the ACC, which basically sent seven teams, seven teams to the tournament, ended up with a couple in the final four. And then Iowa wasn't shabby. They were a top 15 program all year round. So hats off to the Cats, man. Unbelievable. I still replay the shot. I, I was in shock when it happened, but uh, just it's just remarkable. I mean, speechless. This team, this Villanova team, they've now, the, the program has set themselves up with this national championship for the next decade. You know, you and I talked right before the game, and I told you, man, this Great is point. this is how you you're on the map now for a really long time because think about how many young kids, how many soon to be freshmen, you know, in high school, let alone in college saw what the rest of the country saw, which is a classy program, a top notch program, not only in the tourney, but all year, man. And and the year before you start becoming a number one, number two seed perennially in the NCAA tournament. And then you win the whole shebang you will be set up for a long time with a bona fide program. Now, you might see some one-and-dones that Nova typically hasn't had a lot of, if any. And I don't know you know, if you want, if Jay Wright wants the program to go down that path, but you will start to get talent from all across the country that wants to come be a part of Vill- uh, Villanova basketball. And that's what Monday night was. That's really what Saturday night was, blowing the doors off of Oklahoma and then capping it off Monday in that fashion. This program is set for a very, very long time now, and they got a great head coach to do it. And I don't see him wanting to go anywhere else because he's won here. You know, a lot of times you yeah. see coaches leave because they need the bigger pond to fish in from a recruiting standpoint, better players to try and win it all. He just won it all 
in Villanova. So, you know, there's no reason Jay Wright would be leaving this program, you wouldn't think. And there's no reason to think that Villanova Wildcats basketball isn't going to be near the top of the college basketball mountain for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, you bring a great point. I was, uh, you know, with Jay Wright. I, you're right. I don't see – Jay Wright has had offers um, to go to the NBA. From what I understand, at one point he might have been offered the Philadelphia 76ers job. And I don't see him going anywhere. He, he just won a national title. His comfort level at Villanova, he, I mean, he's a Villanova lifer. And, yeah, Graham, would you like to maybe move on? Like, everybody wants that next challenge, like, to go from college to pro level. But, listen, you are now a legend, and you will live for him. You would you'll never get fired. I mean, he would, it would have to be some type of crazy scandal for this guy to lose his job. He, he's, he's now set himself apart. He's now part of the coaching elite. And because he's so comfortable and because he's recruiting, it's going to become a little easier now due to the fact that with this historic run, I agree with you. I don't see him going anywhere, man. And it has put the Cats on the map uh, for a long time. And, and you're right. I think they're going to get more talent out of this due to the fact that, you know, what, the, what they just pulled off. It was truly incredible. You, you brought up the two seniors. Um, and I, I think this is during the Sweet 16. I heard one of the national uh, broadcasters talking about it. But the fact that Archie Diacono was a captain for four years, and yeah. and the point was raised that you might not ever see that again in college basketball because so many of these good players, so many of the of the guys you'd want to wear the captainship, if you will, the captaincy, they're gonna be they're gonna be gone. They're not gonna spend four years of your program. They're gonna go to the NBA. So it's pretty unbelievable to have a guy. Where the sea, so to speak, for four years for a program. And you just might not see it again, uh, which is the way college basketball is going. It's a damn shame. And I don't know that, that Arch or, or the chef are going to get opportunities at the next level, but really who cares for those guys? I mean, they, they, yeah. they accomplished what they set out to accomplish when they signed on the dotted line to go to Villanova four years ago. And to go out on top like that in that fashion with the respect that they have from their teammates – it seems like the basketball community, obviously Nova Nation, the fan base loving those guys. And I remember, you know, probably two seasons ago, going into last season, you talked about how the chef was on the rise and you really thought his game was coming along. I mean, nobody stopped him in the tournament. Nobody. There wasn't a big man when he was posted up that he didn't have his way with. That's unbelievable yeah. to me. As long as they got him the ball, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot they, of times they, out of the three-point arc, I'm not sure why, but setting screens. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that was the one thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, that was kind of mind-boggling. It's like, man, let this guy post up. Yeah. I mean, he can hand out of that just so that he could maybe draw some fouls on North Carolina's big guys. All but right, two, two more he, things. He, 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 Unbelievable tournament for him. Yeah, for sure. two more things, Johnny Mita. Let's go to the last play, the last shot, all right? Yeah. I'll play it one more time because it's not that long and it's just unbelievable. But after the call finishes, I want you to take us through the last shot. They go length of the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. <laughs> All right. I, I, every time I watch this play. As soon as the game ended, you know, they showed it 15 times, as damn well they should have. 
Yeah. I'm convinced it was a set play. I'm I am absolutely convinced. Now, the players didn't say so afterwards. They said that Archie, you know, kind of made that call on the fly. Then I heard Jenkins called yeah. for the ball. I, I yeah. don't know, man. It just to me it was just the way it was set up. It's definitely it definitely look, let's put it this way. It was definitely a great play call. It was definitely well drawn up. It was even better executed and it had the option to kick the ball to to uh to Jenkins for sure. I mean, none of that's even yeah. in question, I think. I think the whole yeah. I mean, to me, the whole time that was the play because Jenkins was almost like the uh you know, the dummy in the play. Like he was almost yeah. he was almost the um a decoy, it seemed like. Nobody paid any attention to him. Yeah, it was uh, North Carolina's defense was, you know, why they didn't have anybody, you know, face guarding Chris Jenkins when he was tossing the ball in. You know, Roy Williams kind of made a couple mistakes. They were getting pressure on Villanova inbounding the basketball from anywhere on the court all night. You know, Bryce Johnson with his, like, 12-foot, you know, condor wingspan, he should have been on the ball. And you look at the way Jenkins runs up the court. You're right. He's jogging. There's no doubt in my mind. The play call was the checks set the screen for Arts, the on-ball screen, and basically, and you just kick it to the trailer. And Archie does such a tremendous job of kind of doing like a rub screen where he didn't impede the North Carolina player from getting out to try to block that shot. He just basically got in his way a little bit just to give Jenkins enough time to pull the trigger. And I think there's two reads on that play. It's either Archie, he takes the shot, or he kicks out to the trailer. And Archie didn't have a shot. No. He was smothered. Yep. He had one choice, and it just goes to show what a tremendous player this kid is to just make that decision to kick the ball out, the big smooth for the game winner, the championship winner. And you look at this is the second time a um, a championship game has been decided at the buzzer. The first one was 1983, NC State versus Houston. But I got to say, I think this one tops it. You know, Fly, what are they called? Fly Sam and Jamma, yeah. the Houston Cougars, Team Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler in the game against Jimmy Valvano's, you know, overachieving North Carolina State team. That was a great play to catch it and dunk it in at the buzzer. Great. But the last minute and a half sequence of this game, how the foul shots missed, how Carolina kept chipping away and coming back, and the double-clutch three-pointer by Page to tie it with four seconds to go, and then Villanova gets a shot off at the buzzer. I mean, Nance's call, it it was (laughs) – I mean, I get chills thinking about it. Gives it back to Jenkins. They're the national championship. Yeah. And and the prayer was answered, man. And this kid, it's funny where I was watching it, you know, and I said, for some reason, I just, Jenkins didn't have a great night. No, he was in I foul was, trouble in the first three minutes of the game. Trouble. Yeah. I mean, just hampered him the entire night. But I said when he got back in, when Jay was kind of substituting for the offense, for defense, just to keep him away from foul trouble, for some reason I had this feeling. I said, you know what? I said, I just have this feeling that he's going to hit a big three down the stretch here. And sure enough, and I said right before the end on the balls, I said a lot of times people don't pay attention to the guy that's taking in the ball, like that's passing the ball. 
the defense kind of gets lost on who that person is. And sure enough, man, the biggest shot, the shot her around the world, just, <laughs> it's just incredible. What a clutch. I what still, a clutch three-point. I, I mean, unbelievable. Oh, oh, and he knew it. You got to see Jay Wright's reaction. Did you see yeah, that? That's yeah. even better. Yeah. The bang. <laughs> I mean, he just said bang and walk away. I mean, it was just. What a way to cap that tournament. Just nobody in the world gave them a shot, which I love. You got to love when nobody gives you a shot yeah. to beat beat Carolina. Yep. Just nobody gave them a shot. But I knew they had a chance. When Las Vegas came up with a point spread of two and a half points, I'm like, if they really thought Carolina was going to clob them, that, that spread would be up at six to eight points. Yep, so. I agree. Unbelievable game, unbelievable finish. What a run. Uh, congrats to Villanova. Outstanding. Happy for you guys, you know, the G Hill crew that have been uh, uh, right. thick and thin. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, couldn't be Never happier for you guys. Hard to believe that we would ever see this come true. But yeah. It, it's, it's like a dream come true. Yeah. And, and you know what? Honestly, somewhere, somewhere up top, I know Bruce Bud smiling down for sure. Ah, uh, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Big smile. For real. All right, Johnny Mita, one last question for you on Nova before we step aside. Uh, yeah. Not really a question, but a but a, a statement. And I don't know if this is going to offend you or upset you or whatever. But is, <laughs> is, 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 I kind of feel like, and maybe it's just because I, I haven't been bleeding Wildcat Blue for as long as you guys. But because of all the other competing schools, right, St. Joe's, yeah. Temple, LaSalle, the big five, right? All these teams. Yeah. It's not – as much as it's a championship for Philadelphia, you do have some people in Philly that you, you were just telling me a couple minutes ago that aren't, aren't exactly thrilled about this, um, yeah. you know, because they're, they're, they're bitter rivals. So is this championship a true Philadelphia championship? Absolutely. Absolutely. Big five basketball – Okay, Big Five. You have St. Joe's. You have Temple. You have LaSalle. You got Nova. I mean, you have Penn. I mean, you're. Why not? I mean, they're only, what is it, 12 miles outside the city limits, even less than that? Why not? And who's arguing? And people are just mad and jealous because, you know, this team got us done. And granted, listen. If you go to St. Joe's, if you're a graduate, I'm not saying you have the root for this team. All I know is when big five teams get into the tournament, listen, if they're not playing Villanova, I'm rooting for them. Why not? It's only good. It's only better. So people can hate all they want. But the bottom line is the Cats got it done. So I think why not celebrate? The first one that they had in 85, where was the parade? Downtown. Where's the parade on Friday? Downtown. So, people argue that all day long, Joe, but who cares? That's when? That's when it happens. There you go. There you go, Johnny Mina. That's for you, brother. I love it. All right, we'll take a timeout. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about after this. <laughs> I don't even think I said this is the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com, but screw it. Noble won yeah. it all. 
All right, back after yeah. this. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast <laughs> on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast exclusively on SoundCloud.com. Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. Now that we've uh, brought our collective pulses back down from talking about Villanova's national championship, let's stick with the basketball theme. This is an om- almost an all-hoops Brotherly Love Podcast. All right. The answer. Elected to the Hall of Fame, my friend. Well-deserved. Any doubt in your mind that he'd get in at some point? No doubt in my mind. First bout, first everything. For a guy that was how small in stature he was, but how big he played in every game for the Philadelphia 76ers, well-deserving. Um, just a joy to watch. Um, I pretty much watched his entire career. I can honestly say that and there's not many Hall of Fame players that I got to see and being a sports fan in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's but a great this point. Is the guy's, this was a guy's career that I got to see start to finish. I, I Listen, I saw him play at Georgetown a couple times, you know, when they were going up against the Cats in Villanova. And super stoked when Pat Croce um, took over the team, pulled the trigger, brought down Iverson, linked him up with Larry Brown, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, the relationship that they had, good fit. Allen now, you know, admits that he wished he would have listened to coach a little more and it could have been a little more coachable. But to watch this guy play, you know, I don't know a tougher NBA player than Allen Iverson. This guy would hit the floor between, anywhere between 8 and 15 times a game. Yeah, at least. Play through, play through multiple injuries. The one thing that was amazing about Allen's game was I've never seen a small guard be able to finish amongst some of the biggest trees. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he would go into the lane and you'd have a six eight guy, a six ten guy, and a seven footer, and he would find a way to lay the ball off. There were so many moments in his career when he finally broke through and they they finally went to the NBA finals, game one. His historic step-over shot in overtime when he just stepped right over Tyrone Liu, who is now the Cleveland Cavaliers head coach. His series against Toronto on the Eastern Conference Finals where he drops 50 points in two of those games. I was at one of them. It's just, he was so fun to watch. Did he take a lot of shots? Of course. Did he drive you crazy? And another epic moment, and people talk about this, and you know, he. I'm sure he will share this with his children when they, they get a little older. You could go back and search YouTube. Is when he crossed over Michael Jordan yeah, man. rookie year. I mean, that was... The place went bonkers. Maybe the best defender in NBA history. And Allen Iverson shakes him out of his boots and, and drills, you know, an 18-foot jumper. He, he was so fun to watch. It was great. Our friends got together yeah. because of Allen Iverson. I agree. We bought Sixers season, t- six season tickets. You know, we were right out of college. We buy them, or I don't 
don't know, maybe we were still in college, and we all bought a package and so that we could go to the games. And it was because of him. He was must-see TV. Even when they were terrible, just to watch how hard. That's the other thing. He never took a play off. Like, yeah, there were times he took some plays, but the guy literally laid it all out on the court. So congratulations to one of my favorite nicknames, Bubba Chuck. He was he was fantastic, man. Yeah, first fantastic. overall pick in 96, gets into the Hall of Fame 20 years later, out of Georgetown University, just six foot and 165 pounds, and that might be heavy. Uh, you, you're right, man. He, I mean, he's the re- Allen Iverson is the reason that I watched basketball for a probably five to eight year span, pretty religiously. I can't tell you since. Well, first of all, since I moved away from Philly, so eleven years ago. But really, pretty much about the time that AI's career was winding down, I might have I'm I may have watched about ten total Philadelphia Sixers games. Uh, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers games in the last decade. Because they're not on national TV very often. You know, they don't have the star power. I mean, AI's the reason I watched. He's the reason that I went out and bought a jersey. Um, you know, he's the reason that I was watching playoff games. That was must-see TV appointment television where, you, like you said, you got together with your buddies. Sixers, Bucks, Eastern Conference Finals, seven-game slugfest. You know, I hated Sam Cassell. You know, to, you know I hated that guy. Why? <laughs> Because, you know, I was all in for the Sixers. And the reason I was all in, AI, the answer. I mean, unbelievable. 12 years with the Sixers, almost 20,000 points in a Sixers uniform. The guy was sensational. Uh, your point to, you know, get into, into the paint, get into the rack, hitting the court, those high floaters off the top of the glass, just kissing it off the uh, glass. I mean, unbelievable. So sweet. Yeah. And you got to look at too, Joe. Is you know the general managers when during his, they never really surrounded him with a good enough cast to get it done. You know, they had the one year they went to the finals, but if you look at that group of players, it's like the one year LeBron took took the Cavs to the finals. The first time he went to him, I mean, he took a bunch right. of no namers. So it just goes to show. Oh, what a fantastic player he was! Yep, nine-time was. All-Star. Um, just yeah, you know, and I, Philadelphia recognized what Allen Iverson brought to the table, and vice versa. I think there was that that mutual love there because he knew yeah. what type of city he was playing in, and the fans appreciated the way he put his body on the line for a decade plus uh, in a Philadelphia 76ers uniform. Unbelievable, great stuff. Congrats yeah. to AI. Hell, man, this is. A, so this is a really big week in Philadelphia sports, to be honest. Between yeah. Villanova, yeah. AI getting in, yeah. Philly starting off, Flyers in a playoff yeah. race. I mean, we went from being this is the worst sports year ever and no yeah. team's doing anything and every team's missing the playoffs and, my God, how could it get any worse? In a couple of yeah. weeks, things have changed. You know, I don't know if the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl or the, uh, the Phillies are winning the World Series anytime soon, but there's at least – with the changing of the seasons, it seems like, or uh, you know, a matter of two months, we went from this is miserable to holy hell, we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And then the breaking news, um, which came down this evening, tonight, regarding the Sixers, is the general manager, Sam Hankey, has stepped down and will be leaving the organization. 
All right, before the, other, before the other shoe drops here, meaning we get more info about what's up, because I don't know there's a whole lot out there right now. I'm going to say this. Yeah. My initial reaction is, I don't want to say not surprised because I, I didn't predict this, but now that it's yeah. happened, I don't know that I'm totally stunned. I mean, anytime you bring in somebody else to share your yeah. job, to consult with your job, to overshadow yeah. you in some form, Jerry Colangelo, yeah. I mean, this, this kind of stuff happens. It's like Howie yep. Roseman getting, you know, all of a sudden Chip Kelly got a lot of power. And what happened to Roseman? He went bye-bye for a year, you know, put him, banish yep. him to the corner. Uh, Sam Hinkie's a proud man. He finds, he thinks he's, uh, you Look know. and Phillies too, Joe. Andy McPhail. Yeah. Remember? He was monitoring Ruben. Yeah, well, that wasn't going to take like... long. Boom. Next guy, you know, the new guy yeah. comes in. At some point, the old guy's probably going to go. No matter how great the relationship is, there's going to be a natural uh, dissension there because, you know, Sam Hinkie's going, really? You brought this guy in to monitor me, to tell me I'm yeah. not doing a good enough job, to question my decisions, to be a superior power in some regard. Um, so yeah. the, the Hinkie plan for whatever it was worth or not worth yet, or the jury's still out, he'll never see it to fruition. And I don't know if that was ownership saying we've had enough of this losing. Colangelo's not buying into this. We want him to run the ship. Or if Hinky just said, you know what, I don't like this guy staring over my shoulder, especially with a big of a name as Jerry Colangelo is with USA Basketball and all that he's done in the great game, that uh, he just said, you know what, my services are better else, you know, somewhere else. I'm out, yeah. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Uh, and that's it. I mean, another guy was brought in to kind of monitor the situation. I can't blame this totally on Hinky, the Sixers' failures. Bottom line is it's come down to a couple drafts. And listen, when you couldn't get Andrew Wiggins with that pick and you you had to take him beat, there were a couple circumstances where you weren't able to get to secure that number one pick where you had to take the next guy up. And now you have all these collected assets, but this is going to be the year uh, potentially where the Sixers could have two draft picks in the top five although the NBA will not make that unless that happening because I believe this is fixed. But, well, yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm seeing <laughs> yeah. the Lakers in the bottom of the Western Conference. They need to yeah. be somewhere out of the top four when the ping-pong balls settle, correct? Correct. So yeah. it's a top they four protected. Good. So if they get – if the Lakers end up with the fifth pick, it goes to the Sixers. Or it's top three protected. Top three. So if, if they, they end up with fourth. They, yep, then we get the pick. But you know the NBA is going to rig it. Kobe's retiring. There's no way. But what I would do is I would just take all our picks that will eventually come to fruition and see if you can get one more pick in this year's draft in the top ten. Because you can land a stud backcourt if you play your cards right. So we'll see that. But crazy news regarding Sam Hankey, for sure. All right, let's stick in the NBA real quick. The Golden State Warriors... I never thought I'd say the following statement. 66 win, uh, 69 wins, nine losses, and they're in trouble. <laughs> but, but are yeah. they in trouble? Yeah. They've got four <laughs> games left. They now have yeah. to win them all to break the record that seemed like a formality for so much of this season. 72 and 10 Chicago Bulls. If they tie yeah. the record, it's like the biggest, you know, deflating moment ever. I mean, it's like tie the yeah. record, really? Like, that wasn't the. I heard. You know, Dan Lebitard on national radio this morning talking about, 
you know, tying the record, like, like what's that? You know, that wasn't even something that anybody's been talking about. And and I think he's right. I mean, we always talk about less than ten, less than ten losses, seventy three and nine or better. And uh, yeah. they've now dropped, I think, two of three, and now they have to win their last four to break the record. Do they get it done? I'll put it to you this way: If Greg Popovich reps his starters, they've two games remaining against the San Antonio Spurs, then they get it done. If he plays his starters for one game, then I don't think they break him, which is remarkable. I mean, and the fact that they've lost two games, think about who they lost to, the Boston Celtics, who actually earlier this year took them to double overtime. And recently, the wretched Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. I mean, wow. For one of the games to give that, that game away, that really hurts. Because if you get that win – you allow yourself to take a tough loss against a better team. And now you're back against the corner. So I don't know if they're going to have – I, I still find it – I think they're going to win them all. I think they're going to find a way to regroup and uh, set the record. But let's face it, everybody's – you know, the teams are at a lower level. I mean, that's their Super Bowl. They're not making the playoffs. Hey, if we could beat the Warriors one time and, you know, and then Chicago – Jordan and the gang will probably send them a check. <laughs> I mean, it's so. it's um it had to have been taking. A, look, I I think the push for this has taken its toll. I know that they've had blowout yeah. wins and Curry hasn't played a lot of fourth quarters, but the mental preparation and focus you need to even put yourself in that spot through three quarters to be leading by thirty. And it's not just you just wake up and go out there and do that. And I think I, I don't think I thought consciously about the toll pushing for this record was going to take on this team, and it seems it's catching up with them right now. Now, if they pull together, win their last four, win an NBA title, we'll never be talking about losing two out of three and almost not getting the record. But if they fall anything short of a, short of a title or anything short of this you know, 72-10 and 10 record or better, um, yeah. I think we'll be talking for a long time about, you know, did they take the right approach this year? Or was the Spurs approach, you know, the, the more appropriate one which is you don't kill yourself in the regular season because it's not about the regular season i guess only time will tell yep good point all right eagles sign a free agent lineman to a one-year contract stefan wisniewski steven wisniewski haven't heard his uh, name enough to know if it's stefan or steven he's got a weird spelling going there the s-t-e-f-e-n with steven wisniewski and he's stefan all right well he played yeah stevie stefan not a bad sign. I'm surprised a guy like this was on the was on the wire. He wanted a long term deal, couldn't get one. He's just 28 years of age, so he takes a one year deal to start with the Eagles. And um, yeah. he's been a starter six years in the NFL. He plays center and guard. There's nothing not to like about this. Does this signal yeah. though the end of Jason Kelsey? No, this doesn't signal the end of Jason Kelsey. I think he just slides to that other guard spot, but it just gives you nice versatility and some depth on your offensive line, God forbid Kelsey were to go down with an injury All right. for a game. There's a guy that you can just slide over. It looks like the Eagles' offensive line at the start of next season is going to look a little like this. Jason Peters at left tackle. Stephen Wisniewski at left guard. J- uh, Jason Kelsey at center. The kid Brooks from Houston will play right guard. And Lane Johnson at right tackle. So you have solidify your offensive line, definitely some upgrades. 
you got two starting guards, which they didn't have all last season. So right then and there, you're much better. I'm sure Sam Bradford's happy about that. And, you know, now you can focus on moving on. And uh, not to say that your line's totally finished. You definitely want to address it in the draft, maybe a couple picks in the draft. But uh, I like the signing. Philadelphia Flyers, last thing before we get on out of here. They sure. fall tonight to Detroit 3 nothing. Three games left. Magic number is five. Boston does play Detroit tomorrow. Yep. Flyers in action against the Leafs. Probably about the time this podcast takes to the air on SoundCloud.com. They'll be getting ready for their matchup with the Leafs. But it's the Bruins and the Wings as well. So as long as that game doesn't go to overtime, make it a three-point game, the Flyers' magic number will automatically dwindle. At this point now, the Flyers become Detroit. Flyers fans become Red Wings fans because Detroit's passed them in the standing. So a Detroit win tomorrow and a Flyers win against the Maple Leafs will put Philadelphia on the brink of a playoff spot. Certainly not sewn up yet. Three games left for the Flyers. Some teams have just one game left, so it shows you how busy they'll be in the final weekend. But a tough loss to Detroit, hurting their playoff hopes. Still have destiny in their own hands. They got to beat the Leafs, so on Thursday. Yeah, there's no place like home, baby. There's no place like home. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, great job, Johnny Mita. Always a pleasure, my friend. Any final thoughts Absolutely. on Nova Nation before we break on out of here? Just want to say thank you. Thank you for providing us with uh, a season that I will never forget. A lot of my friends will never forget it. And I'm just so happy for every one of those players of all the hard work and time and effort and trusting the system, the coaches, you know, all the strategy that they instilled in them. And it was just a tremendous effort out of everybody, the coaches, the players, the student section, everyone. It was just an awesome, awesome experience. And it's something that I remember the rest of my life. And uh, I can't wait to show, you know, my children someday. That game, those highlights, that tournament run. I mean, that's something that, that I'm going to hold on to forever. So, big ups for the Cats, man. It was uh, speechless. I'm speechless. It was so awesome. Well said. Big Smooth got it done in the clutch. No doubt. No doubt. Even Jay got to call him Big Smooth yesterday in the stadium. I know. He called him Big Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Villanova, the national champions. Buzzer beater, three ball, 77-74, right? That's it. Over the Tar Heels, score that will live in infamy in Nova history. No doubt. Good job, brother, as always. Catch you next week. We'll have Stanley Cup playoffs to talk, Phillies baseball, you name it. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. For John Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Next time, we'll see. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 